Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. Uh, I've got a habit that is probably more of a curiosity than anything else. I always ask people where, where they're from. I'm curious about that, I, especially when I'm out of town. I was in Miami not long ago, and almost any time I rode with somebody on the elevator in the hotel, I'd ask them, where are you from? I, I was just on a Hope's Justice Tour last weekend with uh, 27 folks from Hope. I'd work that question into most all conversations. Where are you from? Chicago, Ohio, there you go. Marks, Mississippi. Indiana, Millington, the Philippines. But when it's all said and done, folks, we're all from the same place. We are beginning a series this weekend at Hope, as Hazard said, that we're calling The Way. Every weekend, we'll be highlighting a particular place in the Bible. And at the stirring on Sunday nights, we'll look at the same spot from a different angle, if you will. We're starting at the start today. Today we're looking at everybody's hometown, the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 2, beginning verse eight, we read, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden and there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aramaic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gion. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, geographically, we don't know exactly where the Garden of Eden was. It is believed to have been in the Middle East in an, in an area called the Fertile Crescent. Present day uh, Iraq, Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, thereabouts. But what is it that we, we learn from Eden? Well, one of the overarching and obvious lessons from Eden is that God creates and, uh, and designs. God creates and designs. All the other places that we're gonna study along the way were built or developed with human hands, not Eden. It was fully God's creation. Now the word create or bara in, in Hebrew is used several times in the book of Genesis. And each and every time the word create is attached to God. God is always the engine of creation. He calls existence out of non-existence. He doesn't need the help of tools, 
engineering firms or, or the city's planning and zoning department. He speaks and things come into being. We've all heard this verse in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God creates. And in chapter 2, God forms his greatest creation. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, one might say that God didn't so much create in that instance, but that he repurposed the dust of the ground he had already created and formed man, but we all get the point. He did something miraculous. And God needed to put this, this new creation somewhere. And so we're told in Genesis 2.8, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And in Eden, God did more than create. There was a design element to his work. So there, there is artwork in my home. I didn't create any of it but I can use it in the interior design of my home. God did both. He found just the right place and built it with this divine beauty. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. So God creates and designs. But honestly, you know what was so special about the Garden of Eden? It wasn't the trees. It wasn't the weather or the gold or the minerals. What made the Garden of Eden so special was the presence of God himself. God himself was there in the garden. Here's what else we learn from Eden. God wants the best for us. God wants the best for us. Have you ever stepped into a home or, or into a, a hotel room that got the job done, but not much more? It, it, had, it had everything in there that you needed, but it was just kind of meh. God doesn't work like that. I, I went to a hotel not long ago where in the middle of the night when you crawl out of bed and put your foot on the ground, a night light around the base of the bed illuminates your way in a dark room. That's awesome. <laughs> I almost woke Patty up to show her. That would not have been awesome. But, but God's creative design work in Eden was unrivaled creation. In Ezekiel 28, God's speaking of us when he says this. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you. You know, you may remember in Genesis, every time God created something, he declared it to be good. Why? Because he wanted the best. Remember that? Every time he created it, he'd say, and he saw that it was good. So God wants the best for us. But in Eden, in the most idyllic location in creation, God sees the worst from us. Because you see, a shadow looms over Eden. In chapter 3 of Genesis, paradise is lost. 
God never designed this world for the pain and brokenness and misery we experience. God's design was for us to walk with him and to worship him. Everything in the Garden of Eden was in harmony. There was a, a beauty to God's original design. Everything as it should be. But as a result of Adam and Eve's choice, we are all broken. Adam and Eve made a choice. So there's this snake, and after a brief conversation with him, we fall. We flub it all up. And the Bible says we are ashamed in our nakedness. Genesis 3, 6, and 7, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. I've always found that, that very interesting that when Adam and Eve made the choice to disobey that shame was introduced and that, and that, and that they, they scrambled to cover their shame with these fig leaves. How was that gonna work out? Not great. And what is even more interesting is that God covers us in our shame. You realize that? Genesis 3.21 says this, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. God created clothes for them to wear, even in our sinfulness. God is there to journey with us. And think about this. Think about this. Those skins, they had to come from somewhere, right? Is this the first sacrifice of an animal for our covering? God in the Old Testament required the shedding of an animal's blood to cover our sins. Is, is that a precursor to that? Because the sacrifice of an animal for Israel's sins was certainly a precursor to another sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins. I, I, I backed into a car at McDonald's on Poplar near White Station. Not, not, not recently. I was 16. That was uh, none of your business years ago. <laughs> My dad had let me take his car. And he told me to be very, very careful when I tagged that other car, I was so afraid and I was so, so ashamed. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that night. But what I remember most from that night is the kindness and the mercy my dad showed when he drove up to McDonald's. Now, there were consequences, right? But, but dad led with mercy. God in his mercy fashioned clothes for Adam and Eve. And then there was the reality of consequence in Genesis 3.23. For the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. The man whom God had created from dirt now must till the dirt from which he had been created, which is pretty powerful to me. You know, there's a, there's a lot happening in Eden in Genesis 2 and 3. 
But, but that is the end of the story of Eden. We've, we've never known the location of it, nor do we know what, what became of it. I, I don't pay much attention to my backyard. What my neighbors and visitors see is my front yard. And so my, my backyard is easily overgrown and neglected. When sin came into the world and creation was broken, I assume Eden went the way of my backyard. Paradise lost. One more thought from this story of Eden. Two trees illustrate our past and our future. There were two trees in the garden, right? One tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is the focal point of what we've talked about today. The eating of the forbidden fruit set in motion our predicament with sin. That's the tree that's discussed when anyone discusses Eden. But, but what of the other tree? The tree of life. Remember it? Genesis 2.9. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As Jesus followers, that tree, that tree is our tree of hope. That tree is the tree that will shelter us. John writes about the, the last days in Revelation 22. He says, and he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his bond servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illuminate them, and they will reign forever and ever. The tree of life reminds us that God's purposes will not be thwarted. The tree that was lost will return. The creation that was spoiled will be restored. It all started in Eden, but it didn't end there because we have a future. Sometimes when I start a book, I find myself getting anxious about how it ends. And honestly, sometimes I'll flip over. I, I, I mean, the beginning is important. It sets the stage for the rest of the story. It creates a context that must be addressed and built upon. But if our story ended in Genesis 3, friends, we'd be in a bad, bad way. Where is your story today? Are you stuck in Genesis 3? Have you messed around and disregarded God's beautiful dream for you and find yourself on the outside of Eden? Because that does not need to be the end of your story. God has already taken care of it. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And how does that work exactly? 
Paul again in Romans says this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, that can be us now. It can be you now. Profound in its simplicity. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and the curse at the front of the book doesn't affect the end of your book. Man, I, I hope we get into the Big 12. That'd be good news, wouldn't it? It would pale in the news that I just shared with you. It would pale in the eternal news that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. That the curse is gone. See, that's the good news. Let's pray together. Father God, um, I, I, I think the Garden of Eden was necessary so that we could have the Garden of Gethsemane. When you gave your son to atone for the sins of many. Father, we do not live in a perfect place. We all know that. But we can know a perfect Savior. And that's the greatest gift you could ever give us. It's more beautiful than the garden. Knowing and walking with you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Oppenheisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.